0: Amen. Go ahead. Have a seat. Ushers, come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us because it's all from God. It's all for God. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, you've got that connection card with eight million blanks in it, and you're looking at the likelihood of you not getting that filled out by the time the basket hits you, don't even worry about that at all. As you walk outside to the tri-tip lunch today, you'll pass some really nice people on your right and they have a gift for you because you matter uh, to us and you made this place matter to you this morning. So we wanna say thank you uh, in a way that tastes great after the tri-tip. So uh, our verse for the year, Matthew four nineteen. Jesus calling out to two people. He's calling out to a guy named Peter and a guy named Andrew. They are brothers. Uh, they're fishing together. Uh, and, and he says, I want you to leave what you're doing I want you to follow me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. What he's saying right there is he's completely expanding their idea of what it's going to look like for them to follow God. Jesus at that point was a religious leader. He had started to be known as that and in his day, if you were a religious leader, the way that people followed you was parents would sign up their kids when they were like negative five days old. They would sign up their kids to get trained under a rabbi. They'd pay tons uh, of money and eventually those kids would grow up under the teaching of that rabbi. So Jesus going out and recruiting, calling people to follow him, was already turning the whole system on its head. He's saying all those limitations, all those barriers, all that everything that existed beforehand, I'm going to wipe away all that. I love that because in our society there are so many things that are going to tell all of us on a daily basis of how much we do not measure up. Uh, my daughter runs track. She had uh, her second meet of her fourth grade career this year, so the, the expectations are way up here, uh, especially for me. I've learned to tone those down as a dad. I'm trying to be a, a better track dad because it did not not start out well at all. Uh, I got kicked out of a meet last year for being too close to the runners and yelling at my daughter to run faster. Just got to admit that it kind of did happen. Uh, <laughs> And they go here so they can remind me that it happened. So uh, I was I was at a meet yesterday. I was wor- or on Friday. I was working with the guy who runs the photo finish at the finish line. Uh, he also goes to Mountain View Sunnyside, and first service. He sat right around there. Uh, and and there was this great moment because he's got it down to like the one thousandth of a second of when your third grader finished the thousand meter dash in a day and a half uh, and when they whether they beat the person or not. And uh, there's a there's a parent who got really upset because she thought her okay it was a mom all right that cat's out of the bag now I tried to keep it neutral for a little bit that didn't last she thought her kid got first place and he's there he's handed a second place medal what is this nonsense and so the the finish line operator guy just went to the picture hit print and showed it to the mom here's what happened your kid did beat another kid but what the mom had forgotten was there was this other kid who completely blew away the field won the race by about 10 seconds and was so far ahead that as mom is following her kid she can't even see the winner like, Like that's how far away that he was. And so he's just holding up the picture. This is exactly what happened. Here's a first place medal because you felt bad for your kid. Get off the track. There's so many things in life that are like that to remind us, to show us, hey, you did not measure up. You did not pass go. You do not get to collect $200. And right away what Jesus is saying at the beginning is all of those limitations, we're just going to flip them on their head because I've got something for you. I've got a destiny that's so much bigger for you than what you expect. I'm going to pull you into a future that is bigger than what you expect. The two guys that Jesus is yelling to in this conversation, Peter, he's going to to become the first leader of the Christian church, and his brother Andrew. They are not religious scholars up to this point. They are fishermen who hang out with dead animals and take care of nets for a living. That's all they've got. And Jesus says, come, follow me. And your reality of dead things is gonna be changed into seeing spiritual life happen where it wasn't before. That's what we're pressing into for this year as a church is to see God do new things in us to pull us farther into the destiny that he has for us and not for it to just be things that happen within us and make us feel better. He's saying, I wanna insert you into the lives of other people. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will teach you how to learn more about the Bible than your friends have ever cared about. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. You're going to care about people in fresh ways, in new ways, as you follow me. That's what Jesus wants to do in us. We believe in faith as a church this year. And all this stuff starts, Jesus' sentence in our life and our contribution to this starts with us coming to God. Right, that's what the first thing that Jesus says is Jesus yells out to the two fishermen, brother Peter and Andrew, and he says, come. We come to God because God loves us. We don't come because we've achieved anything. We come because the only thing that we've achieved is bad things. We come because God loves us, because God looks at each of us by name, by past, by failure, and what he sees in us is men and women worth loving. That's where you start today with God. If you're here, you don't know God, you think that God looks at you as a disappointment, that could not be farther from the truth. God looks at you as a perfect father would look at his sons and daughters and he says, I love those people. I love my sons, I love my daughters, and part of God having a perfect love for us is it's also an honest love, that within God's love for us, there is an acknowledgement that all of us, present company included, 100% have sinned. Sin is any time that we treat ourselves, God, or another person, less than the way that God created us to be and to treat people. And what that does is it pushes us away from God. It creates distance in that relationship, it creates death in that relationship. And so what Jesus did that was so remarkable isn't that he just came to be a good teacher, isn't just that he came to be loving because all those things have been done before, but Jesus came to lay down his life in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin, the payment for sin has always been death, and so what Jesus said is, I will die the death that these people deserve, that we deserve. He will die the death in spite of us, in place of us, and because of us to bring us into a relationship with God. We come to God in light of all that, that we are loved, that we are separated, that we are rescued by Jesus because of Jesus and only in Jesus. And then we decide, yes, this is me. This is the reality that I'm walking into. This is the relationship that I'm walking into. We come to God knowing that God's already done everything for us. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm going to give you a chance uh, in about 15 minutes to say yes to Jesus. And he will come in and he will change everything in your life. So what does Jesus say? He calls out to me. He says, come. The second thing is he says, follow me. Follow me. Social media gives us a really good, like pastors always rail on social media. This will be the positive social media message message. Social media gives us a great understanding of what it looks like to follow someone. You follow a celebrity and you know what they're for, what they're against, what they had for breakfast and how they felt about their their workout the previous day. Like we follow people, we get to know them. As we follow Jesus, we get to know Jesus. When I met my wife, uh, we were on like a group hangout thing uh, at the Denny's at Jensen in the 99. So very primo place to pick up women. Unless you met your wife there, then hey, there's two of us. But uh, for whatever reason, like we were passing around driver's licenses that night uh, and I knew three things about her. One, she is beautiful. Two, I really want to get to know her more. And three, she lives on Bullard. Or at least like she did in 1999. You can't start a conversation with that. How's it going? You still live on Bullard? Like you can't do that and not like breathe in pepper spray for the next five seconds. (laughs) So getting to know Anna, following Anna has taught me so much more about who she is she no longer lives on bullard she lives with me praise jesus thank you high five uh on dayton and i don't know about more about what she likes what she doesn't like what my jokes that i think are hilarious she doesn't think are that funny tragically pray for her uh, but but i learn about her as we follow jesus we learn more about jesus We learn how how he models for us to live dead. You've seen that on t-shirts around here. That's our theme uh, for this this spring is what is it to live dead? Jesus says at one point in his life, if you're going to hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find it. For us, that means we're giving up our lives. We're living as if we're dead because we're going to give it all to Jesus and let Jesus take care of everything. So we follow Jesus. We get to know Jesus. He says, come, follow me. And, and I will show you how to fish for people. That's the third thing we learn is we learn to reach the world. We learn to reach the world. We learn to reach the world because there's one thing that Jesus really cares about and that's other people. Jesus cares about other people. A guy who's writing after the life of Jesus, he says that, that Jesus didn't consider equality with God in heaven as something to cling to but instead he lowered himself to give his life as payment for sin for people, for us. Jesus loves people, and there's one specific group of people that Jesus really loves, and it's not the do-gooders. Like I was thinking about this this week leading into the message. I can think of one instance where Jesus did something miraculous, something really loving for somebody who is already good with God. Right? There's a leader of a temple, kind of like a pastor type of guy, whose daughter is dying, and Jesus goes and he heals the daughter. But every other instance that I can think of, Jesus is showing love, Jesus is showing his power, Jesus is doing the miraculous for people who are miles from God. We follow Jesus, we're also gonna learn how to reach the world because Jesus' purpose in coming was literally to show his love, to lay down his life, to cover the sins of people who were miles from God. If you're here and you're here because somebody invited you for tri-tip and you don't think you're a church person, you're already a Jesus person because he's already seen you, he already knows you and he wants relationship with you and there's nothing that we could bring into that situation where he looks at and he says, no way, that's too far. And so as people, as we get to know God, as we come to Jesus, what do we develop in us? We develop a heart for people who are far from God. That's one of the things that I'm praying for. If you wanna pray for me as your pastor this year, one thing you can pray for big time is increase Ken's heart for lost people. That's what I want. I want to look at people who are far from Jesus the way that Jesus looks at them. I want my heart to break for things that they should break for and rejoice for things that they should rejoice for and to be put in contact with people who are far from Jesus to be able to share the love of God with them and see everything about them change. So we come to God, we follow Jesus. And reaching the world means that we equip others how to fish. We equip others in how to fish. We take what God has done in us, those things that we're thankful for, and we export them into the lives of those around us because it's not just about us. This relationship we have with Jesus is definitely not just about us. It's something that we do together with other people. Thursday was the National Day of Prayer. Uh, there was a thing in Clovis that we went to as a church, and then I went to the one uh, in Fresno later in the evening. And uh, the guy who was leading worship is great guitar player, great voice, but he didn't have a microphone. They didn't have words on the screen, and he plays and sings really quietly. Okay, behind the scenes information, okay, here at Sunnyside, we believe in drums, we believe that should be played loud, we believe that guitars and good voices and microphones should be loud because no one wants to hear hear me sing, okay? If it's really quiet, I'm singing my heart out, nobody's going to leave hearing me and saying like, man, that was really good. You want to hear Tim, you want to hear Hannah, and you want to hear the rest of the team, you don't want to hear the bald guy sitting in the second row, Problem was, on Thursday night, uh, they they sang Trimble, the song that we sing here, You Make the Darkness Trimble, but it sounds better than that because it's Tim, Hannah, and Amanda, and Brittany, and the rest of the team singing. And there was, like, no microphone. And there was also nobody else who knew the song. So it's quiet voice guy, me, and uh, I'm just singing it out as loud as I can. At one point, I bring up the lyrics on my phone and give it to the guy next to us so it could be, like, a trio, the guy who's leading softly, me, uh, and him. Uh, and I'm surprised they didn't ask me to leave, which is good, which is good. But I'm not meant to sing solos. There was no point on Thursday where there was a plan, okay, now Ken is gonna do a solo and thoroughly embarrass himself. Uh, It's meant to be congregational singing. It's meant to be something that we sing together. That's why we put the words on the screen in English and in Spanish, so we all get to sing out, not so that Ken sings. For our relationship with Jesus, this is something where we bring others in with us. We teach them to imitate us as we follow Jesus. That's step one in teaching other people how to follow Jesus. If you just say, follow me, I'm going after Jesus, I'm going to mess up, but I'm going to try and take most of my life and push it towards Jesus. And if you do what I do, most of the time we'll be okay. It's a direct quote from Paul, a guy who used to hate Christians until he became a pastor. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. This is step one for us to lead people, to lead other people to Jesus and show them what it means to follow Jesus, and this is also the thing that most quickly gets pointed out when we blow it. GQ, the magazine, uh, it put out a list this week of 21 things, uh, 21 books, and that's the cover too, I'll tell you what. Friday was his birthday, and so we're going to give that to him as a birthday present. We will put something in it that has actual monetary value, uh, but he isn't in here right now, and he missed it for service, so uh, you can all be surprised for him when he opens that up on Tuesday. But uh, GQ released a list of uh, the 21 most overrated books, and the Bible was one of them, so instantly I'm like, what? We must read this. You know, I can get with the Jesus is the only way, like how people can bristle against that. That is fully understandable, always has been, uh, that people would react to that, even though we believe as Christians that that's a million percent true, that Jesus is the only way to the Father because he says it. Uh, And the other thing that really got to me, that really stung, is that most people who say they believe the Bible have never read it and never tried to follow it. And so it's totally overrated by the lack of effect that it has through the people who say that they're all about it. And I read that and I said, Yeah, we need to do something about that. Don't get angry at the magazine, but instead look at our lives and say, okay, where are we denying and making the Bible look overrated and irrelevant by the way that we live? What if us as a church, we begin to live lives and and teach lives in a way that, yes, still agrees that we believe in the Bible and, and agree with what it says and are basing our lives on it, but we're actually following through, that we're not being one more hypocrite who says, yeah, sure, it's great, and then completely deny it by everything that we say, think, and do. So how do we realistically do this? How do we realistically teach others to imitate us as we follow Jesus? One is we do it all through the context of relationships. When Jesus is calling Andrew and Peter to follow him, he's not saying, hey, I'm going to give you four books worth of how to follow me and how to live like a Christian. He says, no, we're going to walk through our town and we're going to encounter people. We're going to interact with people. We're going to show them love. That's what he does. Just follow me. He said, I'm inviting you into relationship, not a teaching practicum. We practice this in the context of relationships. For us as believers, the biggest impact that we are ever going to have in other people's lives is in the people who are already close to us, or the people who have a reason to get to know us, to want to know more about our love for God because they already know us. What do we talk about all the time here is, is making an impact in the lives of the people who know us but don't yet know Jesus. I want to focus on that idea, the people that already know us. But don't yet know Jesus. So there's a context for relationship. There's a context for teaching. There's a context to say, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. We're not just walking up to strangers at stoplights asking them to roll down their window and say, hey, come follow me, because that's what Jesus did. You're not Jesus. So we're gonna put in a relationship first and let that be the, the ground that fertilizes growth. The second thing is we're gonna use the Bible. Not only are we going to agree with what it says, but we're going to live it out. We're going to use the Bible and, and ask it, to ask God's word, the book that God wrote, to teach us to form you and me into the people that God has made us to be. I love my Friday morning shape group. We meet 6 a.m. at the Starbucks at Clovis and Kings Canyon. We're in there at 6. We order our coffee. We drink it. Uh, we share quickly about the way that the things that we're reading are impacting our lives and, and pushing us and and like bringing out the best and the worst in us. We pray for each other, and then we all go to work by 6.45 because we really enjoy keeping our jobs. We've got a relationship. We're allowing God to teach us through the Bible so that together as a group, we're saying, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus, knowing that all of us are doing that with a little bit of failure included. Third thing is, is we catch and release so that we can make more disciples and so that the people that we're discipling can make their own disciples. If you look at this and like, think that there's no way I can do everything that they're going to ask of me, this is way too much, I don't have time for this. Okay, The way that mathematics works, the way that, that uh, exponents work and everything, if you look at the next 10 years of your life and you say for every year I'm going to meet with one person, only one person, and read the Bible with them and pray for them and encourage them to, to follow Jesus in the way that you are, if you do that with one person a year for 10 years, and at the end of that year, tell them, hey, I want you to do the same thing for somebody else now. And each of you continue to do that. Have one year with one person, and then go and do that with somebody else for a year, okay? You will end up discipling over 10 years 2,045 people. Because all you're saying is, hey, this, we're going to follow Jesus together at the end of a year. Hey, go do that with somebody else. You do that for 10 years. You're going to end up having influence over 2,045 people. Nobody in here has the responsibility of discipling 2,045 people, but all of us can take one person. All of us can take one person, whether it's, whether it's a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad or a brother or sister or someone you work with or go to school with or, or do life with, who you look at and you say, man, they need to know more about Jesus, and they say, follow me as I follow Jesus, and together you go through life. Together you go through this, saying, follow me as I follow Jesus, and let God's word speak to you and challenge you and equip you for better living in the future. Man, we can all do that. And, and the way that math works in time, God says, is I'm going to take your investment and I'm going to make it so much bigger than you could ever imagine. And so what do we teach as we do this? We teach them how to survive a fishing trip full of wind and waves. We teach them how to survive a fishing trip full of wind and waves. All right, Jesus was a broke, homeless man who got betrayed by a friend and died for something that he didn't commit. All right, so he already knows how to follow God through difficult times. And as we learn more about Jesus, that's what we're answering for other people. Is This is what it looks like to follow Jesus when life gets difficult. And one thing that we show them is forgiveness. We show them that when things happen to us that hurt, we don't react out of anger and vengeance. We react out of forgiveness. Peter, the guy that Jesus yelled at, come, follow me, and I will teach you how to fish for people, learned this firsthand. There's one time where Jesus is telling his people, I'm going to give up my life, I'm going to die three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And Peter says, that's a horrible idea. And Jesus says, get behind me, you're talking like Satan. And he forgives him, and he restores him. He says, this is what right living looks like now, do this from now on. There's another time right before Jesus is killed, Peter is at his trial, and a little girl comes up to him and says, I think you're a follower of Jesus by the way that you're talking. And Peter says, no, 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 I don't even know the man. She asks him two more times. He says, I swear to God, I don't even know who the person is. And he immediately is remembering, man, I've just denied my best friend. I've just denied even knowing my best friend. Jesus dies, he rises back from the dead, and he comes back to look for Peter. Not to punish him, not to stick it to him for, for denying that he knew him, but to show him forgiveness, to reinstate him, to say, you ask for forgiveness? Yes, then it's all good. It's like it never happened for us as Christians, we have an opportunity to model that. Something else that that Jesus taught Peter is to, to have a heart for people even who are difficult for you. Jesus dealt perfectly with people that were difficult for him. And what was the result of that? That after Jesus died, rose again, ascended back to heaven to sit down at God's right hand. Peter took the church forward in an area where people were completely against it. That his heart for God wasn't something that was just going to stay hidden, wasn't just going to stay where it's easy. But when the people who killed God asked Peter, why are you doing this? Why are you talking about Jesus? The people who killed Jesus, Peter says to them exactly, that this Jesus who you died, who you killed, God has made to be both. God has made to be the savior of the world, sorry. God has made to be the savior of the world. It's truth. It's a heart for evangelism. It's dealing with love with people who are difficult for him because he learned all of this from Jesus. He learned how to take care of people and to develop a heart for the lost. And Peter also learned from Jesus a willingness to suffer for the good news. Uh, Just as Jesus laid down his life as the savior of the world, as the son of God, decades later, Peter would do the same thing because he's following the example of the person that taught him, the person who called him to a life that was bigger than himself, the person who called him to live for God, regardless of where it's gonna take you, regardless of what it's gonna cost but to spend our life living as glad examples, as excited examples, as men and women who are making an impact everywhere that we go in life. That's what Peter learned from Jesus. And so that's the legacy that Peter left for the church is a heart for evangelism and people who don't yet know Jesus, not because Peter's great, but because he saw it done. A desire to follow God through difficult circumstances, not because he had some great answer, but because he saw the answer and the ability to forgive because God had forgiven him because Jesus had personally forgiven him. And so for us, it's eternally worth it, all this, because it's our call from God to join him in reaching the lost, and we can't do it alone. Man, I pray for us this year as a church that we're going to be a church that doesn't just go out to learn more and and do more individually and read our Bibles more, but all those things are going to happen through the context of seeing lost people meet Jesus. Not so that we get bigger, but so that the amount of people living in the Sunnyside area who are currently in darkness are going to find Jesus and have everything about them change. That they're going to walk from sin into salvation. They're going to move from death into life. They're going to move from brokenness to restoration. Not because we're great, but because our God is great. And that's what God wants to do through us this year. I pray that that burns in our hearts, that that invades our dreams, wakes us up at night because there are people out there who are dying and going to a Christless eternity and we get to have an impact on that. We get to see that changed, not because we're great, but because our God is great, loves us, and wants to send us out to make a difference. Let's stand and pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you look at each and every one of us as sons and daughters who are called, equipped, and sent Thank you that we're not defined by our past or by our failures or by our limitations, but that you look at us and call us son and daughter. God, I pray that we're gonna be a church that, uh, that lives this year for those who are far from you, that your heart for the pre-Christian and the, the post-Christian, I did that and I walked away, that that's gonna grow that we're going to resemble you this year, not just in what we do for ourselves, but what we do for those who are far from you. Thank you, Jesus, that you set the perfect example in that, that you invaded our world, that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. I pray that we're going to be a church that lives that out this year. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you over your sins, to make you into a new person from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You're not saying you're perfect, you're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that we are sinners in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three and when I say three, if today's your day to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand and as we close, someone's gonna walk you through giving your life to Jesus and it'll be the best decision you've ever made. So one, God loves you. He always has, he always will. It's never gonna go up, it's never gonna go down. He flat out loves you and today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we push God away, where we say, I'm doing this my way, that's called sin. And Jesus came to forgive us for our sin. And three, today's your day to say, I need a savior and I know that's Jesus and I'm ready for that to start today. Is there anyone like that here today? Or today's your day to say yes to God. Today's your day to find forgiveness. Today's your day to find new life. If that's you, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. Someone will pray with you as we close. All right, for the rest of us, uh, we're singing a song called "Unstoppable God" because we worship an unstoppable God. We are not unstoppable people. We just work for the unstoppable God. And so, as we're singing that, it's a declaration. We're saying, God, this is, these are the people whose lives I want you to make a difference in. I'm stoppable. I'm finite. I'm limited. But you're not. So I want us to come forward. You can sit, you can stand, you can kneel. We're confirming with our feet what God's doing in our hearts. At this year, we wanna see these people come to Jesus. You can list them off up here and just say, God, this is who I want you to meet with. This is who I want you to invade my life to reach. But as a declaration we're, we're making as a church, we're saying, okay, God, we're answering you. You say, come follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for people. And we're saying, we're all in. Let's worship and respond.